The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Now, you may remember the story of two little boys making their way on their own from Dublin to London and then on to New York back in 1985. Well, next week, they're sharing their story in a new documentary called Nothing to Declare. And we'll speak to its director in a moment. First, here's a clip. The news headlines. Two Dublin boys who stowed away on an Air India flight from London to New York. They were discovered by New York police on Saturday standing on a pavement near the airport terminal. They appear in the American vernacular to be streetwise. The boys, 13-year-old Noah Murray and 10-year-old Keith Byrne, are both from the Dublin suburb of Darndale. He was told not to move out. His dinner was on, a half one on Thursday. And when I looked out again, Keith was gone. They tried to get out of Ireland twice last week. Are you afraid that they, they might do this again? Yes. I'm famous for a trip that I made with a friend of mine in 1985 to America. I was 13 and my friend was 10. Me and the lads, me and Keith and the other boys just to stick together. Basically the breeding ground for trouble, crime, antisocial behaviour, which most of us fell into. Robin. Stealing food, bunking off, used to meet from school a lot. Me and Keith, uh, we used to travel the length of bread of oil and on bus and trains and coaches and... Travel on public transport, or any kind of transport, free. We head off and just go meet some for the day and nobody knows where we are. We've gone around the place causing trouble. Gardaí being called upon us, being sent home, being brought home by Gardaí. We'd end up in Kerry, we'd end up in Galway, we'd end up in Donegal. I was devil, I was adventurous, and we just set off. I don't know what we wanted to do, we just wanted to get out of Dublin. So when we got past the security, our next thing was, okay, which plane do we get on, where do we go? So we just kind of start asking the people that we are seeing walking up and down with suitcases. We just told us to go on. One man just happened to tell us, oh yeah, this is the plane to America, that to New York specifically. We looked at each other and thought, the A-team, BA, <laughs> maybe we can see BA, let's go. Then we end up on the plane. Such an amazing story. Nothing to declare tells the story of that week from 1985 and the subsequent lives of Keith Byrne and Noel Murray and Gareth Daly, the director, uh, joins me now. Gareth, thanks very much for joining us. Good the, morning. The clips from it are just amazing. The, the New Yorkers saying these kids are streetwise. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it is amazing if you think that, like, to leave their, their home in Darndale and to not know where they were. I mean, to think Keith's mum said, you know, don't go far, your dinner's nearly ready. And the next thing they heard, they were in New York. It's and phenomenal. It, and, and they were saying as well, a bit of what they do is, is hustle and travel for free. Yeah, I mean, they had this technique where they would walk up to, um, you know, any checkpoints where they were checking tickets and the two of them would hold hands and they'd say, our parents are coming with the tickets. And sometimes that didn't work and they were kind of sent to the back and said, go away, you two, you know. And then they'd see a family going through and then they think, ah, you know what, this is our chance. And they'd do the same again and they'd just get in with the crowd and they would go through. And that just worked for them. And they, they I suppose they kept thinking, at some point, we will be 
be stopped. Uh, but here they were, like in Heathrow. And they actually went to Heathrow because they were used to getting food at the food court in Dublin Airport. <laughs> so they went to Dublin Airport first, wasn't it? No, no, it? they went to, they went to uh, Dunleary first. Right. They got on a ferry. Ferry. Uh, yeah, so the ferry brought them to Hollyhead. In Hollyhead then, they follow the crowd to the train. And on the train then, uh, they met a couple who basically said to them, you can stay in our house if you want in London. Imagine it, a 10 mm. and 13 year old. So this story could have turned out, you know. Very different. Very different. So basically, they stayed the night in London and then they went to Heathrow because they wanted to get some food. They kind of thought, we'll get some and food at the food court. they're really au fait with getting food free from food courts. Yeah, I was just, you know, the trays had begun round. You just put your hand in and take something. But of course, when they got there then, they kind of, they I think they had a notion that they might fly back to Dublin because they kind of realised right. how far away they were. And then, as you heard in that clip there, they met this, this businessman and they sort of said to him, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to New York. And they were big fans of the A-team. And they kind of thought, well, does BA live in New York? And he was like, I don't know. Uh, but they followed him and they got through all the security and when they got to the gate they were turned away a couple of times but eventually they got on and they just got on this plane that was kind of half empty and they were able to take seats on this plane. And I presume they got free food on the flight as well. Yeah, they got they got uh, they were on an Air India plane and they were served uh, curry uh, on the plane and they found it really, really hot and they weren't sure did they have to pay for it or not because they'd never <laughs> been on a plane before. Um, they were going to hide in the toilet at one stage because they thought they might be, you know, sussed out but of course because there wasn't too many people flying with Air India it was only a couple of months after an Air India disaster off the coast of Cork, there wasn't a lot of people on on the plane, yeah. so they were they went undetected. When did they finally get rumbled? Well, they got to JFK, and you would have thought that they would have been stopped at, at passport immigration, but they managed to get through. They actually ducked down past, and they got through. They wandered JFK Airport for at least at least two or three hours. They went out onto the uh, out onto the, the the taxiway, you know, outside the terminal. They saw what they thought was a security guard and they thought you know what let's just ask him how we'll get into town and it turned out that that was a Port Authority police officer and he was like where are your parents and at that stage he's the first person the to first person, go the first person and you'll see this in the documentary that they kind of acknowledged that they got through everything yeah. and then suddenly here was this cop who just kind of thought this doesn't feel right. He noticed the brogue, as he right. says himself. And he kind of thought, no, no, this, this doesn't seem right. It seems like they were quite caring towards them, though, when they found what, what had gone on. Absolutely. I mean, they had to figure out. And obviously, communication was a bit slower then in terms of trying to put the pieces together. They were ringing London. They were ringing everywhere, trying to see. They, they had no identification. And they couldn't figure out if they were telling the truth or not. But yeah, once they kind of realised, and they figured out, obviously, they wanted to look after them. And they did. They they brought them on a tour so, around New York. A tour. And, <laughs> yeah, they got, to, they got to see all the sites. They got bought T-shirts, I Love New York T-shirts and everything. They were really looked so after. So they were having the trip of a lifetime really I think so I mean ultimately like they, they they had this amazing adventure because they got so far and then they were looked after yeah. um, and you know happy memories and I think the cops because we we managed to, to talk to the two cops that were involved uh, with this and, and they look back and imagine 37 years ago they had remembered it 
and they had always wondered what had happened these two kids uh, because at the time there was a bit of media around it you know there was interest from the New York papers yeah. and it was in the papers here as well Margaret the, Thatcher mentioned them Margaret Thatcher <laughs> mentioned them <laughs> yeah which was like because you see they broke security yes. in three countries yeah. to get there and cause so much so much attention but I think yeah like they and it was only a, a week after the Air India disaster wasn't it was it? only a couple of weeks after yes. that so it was a little bit serious when you consider yeah. that that the, the, you could have security breached so easily and you know trying to figure out how they did it particularly in Heathrow in terms well, of are you through. able to explain how they did it I mean are you able to explain having a thick neck to people <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll get an idea when you see the two one of the things I was keen to do because obviously getting the two of them together to tell the story I wanted to try and give the audience a sense of the spark between the two of them how they might have interacted and of course obviously you know uh, 30, 36 years later in terms of when we made this hard to do yep. but I put the two of them in a room got them telling us the story and you can just see you can see that spark and you can see them bouncing off each other and you go I see it now right. I see how they did it I, I know you don't give too much away about what happens next for them but did they stay friends? No they kind of drifted apart I mean there was a there was a couple of years difference between them and yeah. I, when you hit your teenage years I think that, that makes a that makes a big difference. Uh, they they kind of stayed in touch, you know, uh, you know, loosely over the years, and we kind of brought them back together when we first did this, and it was amazing to sort of see them because they instantly just started chatting about it, laughing about it, remembering everything about it. You know, their 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 lives went in different directions as they do, you know, down through the years. But suddenly it was there. There they were, kind of like two cheeky chaps again, remembering it all. When they were back in Ireland, having been brought home, were they in trouble or were they like <laughs> celebrities? <laughs> <laughs> a bit of both, really. <laughs> because, well, I, I, I did meet some of uh, Noel's neighbours, and they said they had a big party when I would have thought, <laughs> yeah, like New York Noli has returned. Uh, but they were, I New mean, York New York Noli. Yeah. But there was, I mean, they, they, they were afraid. Obviously, I mean, you would be afraid if you yeah. kind of went on a bit of a jaunt. How your parents are going to react when you get back? They were celebrities because you know the press were waiting for them when they got back. Everybody wanted to talk to them, um, but of course you know the reality of everything returned pretty quickly mm. and they were sort of sent back to, to the different area like Keith was in a, in a school um, and he was sent there Noel had a, sort of an outstanding uh, issue that he had to okay. sort out with the guards as well so it got you know there was got a brief real. moment it got real it got very real quickly again. and I suppose it got real then yeah. you know going forward as well It's an amazing story though uh, Gareth, thank you very much indeed. Gareth, the director there. You can catch the documentary Nothing to Declare on RT1 Tuesday the 2nd of August at 10.30pm. Won't miss it. Thanks very much indeed, Gareth. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.